It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a view from the Bullins podcast. Listen to all the latest news and inside track from Goodison Park. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of A View from the Bullins with me, Jack Kemp, Ben Winstanley, Lee McLean and Matthew Neal. Ben, I'm going to come to you first. Um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a timeline of the past four or five weeks. 2nd of January, Everton lose 3-2 at home to Brighton. 8th of January, they struggled to a 3-2 win at Hull in the FA Cup. 13th of January, Luca Dean signs for Aston Villa. 15th of January, humiliation, lose 2-1 at Norwich. 16th of January, Rafa Benitez is, is sacked. And fast forward two weeks, Frank Lampard's been appointed. Deli Alley has joined on a permanent and Donny van der Beek has joined on loan. Ben, Frank Lampard. What does he bring to Everton that excites you? Well, first of all, Jack, you just literally talked through the whole of January. It's been a roller coaster of emotions, literally week after week, shocking performances, bad news coming out of the club. Then obviously Benitez sacked, which was what we should have should have happened after Brentford when we when, when all those lot went down there. He should have gone after that game in my eyes. I don't know how we got Norwich. I haven't been on the podcast for a few weeks, so apologies. It's so nice and refreshing to be back on here talking to you lads. So, yeah, Frank Lampard, when the names got thrown out the hatchack for me, I was a bit unsure about these managers and the, the shortlist that they'd actually got together. 
But the more and more you look into it, you've got a young, hungry English manager who wants to prove himself. And you, you read loads of interviews with Frank Lampard. I think he did one with Gary Neville, and it was brilliant. And a few other interviews, what he's been on, and somebody says when, when Frank Lampard's got his back to the wall, that's when you want him, want him in because he's got to prove everyone wrong. He's got a point to prove. And you can see the influence he's already had on the team because straight away he was on the phone with Donny van der Beek. Crystal Palace thought that one was wrapped up and done. You looked at Delhi Alley, Newcastle were pushing hard for him all, all through January. Frank Lampard gets on the phone to them, the, the highest scoring midfielder of all time. And these two players go, right, I'm joining Everton Football Club. And the pair of them instantly improve our midfield. Now, I don't know if you boys watched the, um, the training video today. What was so exciting to see was Frank Lampard saying to the lads, play through midfield, who's the six, who's the six, move. No, none of this more Rafael Benitez, long ball, dinosaur football. We've got a manager who wants to actually play a bit of football, get the ball on the ground, get it moving, get other players involved, and especially playing number six, which I'm praying to God he, he adapts that 4-3-3 formation. Because I think the more and more you look into it, he's going to be a really, really good manager for Everton. He's young, he's hungry, and he's got a point to prove. Now, let's get it right here. He did really good at Derby and his first season at Chelsea after losing Eden Hazard and being on a transfer embargo, performed really, really well. He spent a, a bit of bob and just couldn't get the team quite to click. He had a few big egos in that Chelsea team and unfortunately got sacked near enough a year to the date of becoming Everton manager. So he's, he's, he's out there now. He's got a point to prove. He's at a perfect club. Especially in his interviews, Jack, he talked about the short and long-term aims. He spoke about literally this season, let's just stay up, which is key for me because we are definitely in a relegation battle. We need calm heads. We need Frank Lampard to come in with his amazing coaching staff. Don't get this. They've got some really, really good names in this coaching staff now who are going to come and add in their little bits and bobs. So overall, I'm absolutely made up that Benitez has left. Frank Lampard in charge, two midfielders in. And overall, I've had a really successful January. But going back to your timeline, Jack, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a sad, frustrating month for us Evertonians. So hopefully February's here now. We can kick on. Got a new manager at the helm, new midfielders, new players, new ideas, new coaches. Let's kick on. Let's get behind the team. Us, us fans seem united. And I'm really here for it. I can't wait to hear the Goodison Park on Saturday and the Newcastle away in the Premier League. I'm really looking forward to it, Jack. I think you sum up that really, really well, Ben. Um, Lee, Lee, if I can come to you, I want to try and keep this podcast as, as positive as we possibly can at the start. Um, what, what are you most excited about with Frank Lampard? Jack, you don't need to ask me to be positive today. Um, you know, that's a given for me. I'm absolutely thrilled, um, especially if you go back a few days. You know, I've completely lost track of time, if I'm honest with you. Um, and days and what's happened and when, because it's just been, like Ben just said, a complete roller coaster of emotions. Go back a few days and it looked like Vitor Pereira was all but done. Um, and I was on the floor thinking, you know, if, if this happens, it's all wrong. Everything about it was just wrong. He was a risk. He was, you know, outspoken, got a record again of falling out with people. The fans weren't behind me, you know, the potential appointments. And I'm thinking, Really, you're gonna are you gonna do this? You're gonna go from one man who wasn't wanted to another man who wasn't wanted in in the predicament that we're in. But then all of a sudden, Lampard, you know, emerges and and thankfully he's been given the opportunity and the club have listened to the fans because I think they have. Um, and it's and again, I've got to I've got to agree with Ben. I think initially there was doubts over Frank Lampard, um, but. The more you listen to him, the more you read up on him. And obviously, because he's now became the Everton manager, we're reading all the articles and we're reading the opinions of people that he's worked with, players, etc. It's the it's the, the the overall package and who he brings with him as well. So if you look at his backroom staff, I'm instantly more optimistic, instantly more relaxed that what's going to be going on at Finch Farm during the week is going to be more constructive. It's going to there's, there's going to be a plan. Um, there's going to be you know, tactics, a clear direction. We've already seen it today. Um, so I think, yes, I think that drill is aimed at, you know, playing it out from the back, you know, looking for the number six. I agree. But it's also, I think it's a double-edged drill that because it's, it's also teaching that high press that he's known for as well. So hopefully we're going to see an Everton side pressing from the front, you know, looking for territory further up the pitch, 
create more chances because we need to do that. We've brought players in, really, really excited by the players we've brought in, and, and we'll probably come on that onto that a little bit later on, who are going to add goals to our game. And and straight away, obviously, if Lampard can get us retaining possession, more confidence on the ball, you know, we're saying today, enjoy the ball, enjoy the football, then takes the pressure a little bit off the back four. So it's 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 a really, really positive week, an overdue positive week, you know, after six months of real, real misery um and disappointment, you know, that just to listen to the Evertonians, the outpouring of sort of relief and positivity from the whole fan base in, in the last couple of days has just been so refreshing, so nice to be involved in. And I think everybody, like Ben said, is absolutely chomping at the bit to get to Goodison on Saturday. I know I am. I absolutely can't wait. It feels like I've got my club back. I think everyone feels the same. So hopefully this is a real turning point, a real landmark couple of days for Everton Football Club and we can kick on from here. Yeah, and, and I can I can tell by your voice there, Lee, there's, you know, there's real positivity coming from you and I think you know, most Everton fans, if not all, will echo that. Matt, if I can just come to you, I know you're big sort of on the tactics and sort of the style of football and, and you do your research. Um, what do you think or what can we expect as Everton fans? I know Lee's just touched upon it then about the high press and hopefully retaining the ball a bit more. And Ben spoke about uh, getting the ball playing through midfield. But what do you think we're going to see in terms of the playing style that we haven't seen under the previous managers? Well, I think what you probably, if people have seen those training videos already, you've seen that we're going to be playing through midfield much more. Um, and, t- and tactically, that'll mean, obviously, I think the centre-backs will be asking for the ball much more, certainly from goal kicks, etc. Statistically, Everton and Burnley, for the first half of the season, were the two clubs that, that kicked it long most from goal kicks. And I expect that now Frank Lampard's come in, that will change slightly. I don't think we're going to see a, a style like we saw in the Roberto Martinez, where it's sort of passing for the sake of it. But I certainly think we've now got a manager that wants to play a bit more classically, if you like. Um, we've got a modern thinking manager. And I think he'll sort of utilise what he's got and what he's brought in, in terms of trying to evolve his style over the short term and the long term whether he can get all his all of his ideas across sort of in this short-term period now where Everton needs to win to win football matches, I'm not sure. But I certainly think we're going to see a, a team that actually presses from the front. Um, I spoke about it a lot under Rafa Benitez. He liked to claim that his Everton teams were, were high-pressing teams, um, both on the eye and underlying stats-wise. That was incorrect. Um it was what I call it a fake press, a one one or two go and, and the rest stay stagnant, creating gaps and spaces for other teams to play through us. So I think that's one thing we can definitely expect. And he spoke about that in his interview with Everton CV yesterday that, you know, this is going to be a team that, that, that presses from the front. And actually, Frank's team, where he, when he was at Chelsea, were statistically the best pressing team in the league with Liverpool. So I think that's something long-term we can definitely look forward to. Um, you know, I think I do think we've got the legs, certainly in the front three, to press from the front. I don't think that's an issue. It's not like we've got a really stagnant um, front three. You know, I think they're mobile enough to, to be able to press from the front. I think you'll also see... Obviously, the four-three-three being utilised now, and I think you'll see certainly one of those midfielders pressing from the front and sort of drifting, and and both in attack and defence. That'll be key um, if we go from the attack point of view. He used Mason Mount a lot to try and create space for the rest of the team, and I think if obviously we'll probably go on to this later on in the podcast. But I think one of the new players, whether that be Donny or Deli Ali um, will certainly be that Mason Mount player that was just vital in in Frank's setup, and then I think you'll see more of the fullbacks. Um, you know, I think he likes to utilise his fullbacks more. The system he plays with three midfield allows fullbacks to actually 
sort of get over the halfway line and, and really sort of create overloads by, you know, sort of the the two wingers will play sort of inverted and create space for the two fullbacks to maraud forward. Um, so I think you'll see much more of that. And obviously, um, Lucas Dino had it. Lucas Dino's main issue, or well, one of his main issues with Rafa Benitez was that he felt that he was being under underutilized. He wasn't being able to get forward. Um, and um, you know, I think we'll definitely see more of that in the Frank. So, yeah, no, I think I think on paper, uh, Jack, this is a he says all the right things. His, his philosophy is is exactly what Evertonians want um, from a tactical point of view. You know, high press playing. For, we've been screaming out for three in midfield. Um, so I think we're going to get all of that. And also, like the boys touched on, a, yes, I think this appointment was made more positive by the fact that some of the, you know, some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. But I think the more the more we look at it and the more we view it, what we all asked for was an appointment that would, first of all, bring some unity, bring some excitement, bring some, bring some hope. Not hope in terms of oh we you know we're suddenly going to win loads of games and and finish in the European places, but hope that things at some point will get a lot lot better. And I think you know I think um, this is certainly a good appointment from from that point of view. And um, you know I, I, when you look at the experience that he's brought in and the talent, you know let's 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 be honest about this. I, I was shocked that Joe Edwards followed him out of. Um, Chelsea is Thomas Tuchel's assistant. You know, it, he's, he's, he was an assistant manager at Chelsea. It's not like he was a first team coach or anything like that. He was one of Tuchel's assistants. Um, and Frank's managed, managed to bring him here and he's got fantastic pedigree when it comes to, to coaching young players, etc. And then you've got the likes of Paul Clement, who's got unbelievable experience. Um, and Chris Jones, who's going to be the, the sort of head of performance as well it all combines to be quite an exciting little package and and hopefully um everton can get up the table quite quickly and then we can sort of really start to enjoy maybe some of frank's philosophies in the long term yeah i think i think we've seen haven't we matt um it, it's not just sort of um lampard can pull in players he's got obviously a bit of a pull with coaching staff and i think you're absolutely right for him to get Joe Edwards to leave Chelsea, um, I think is a real coup um, and a real positive for Everton. Um, ben, just coming back to you, I know I wanted to, I want to stay positive, um, but in true Everton style, we, we've got to look at, you know, a, potentially a downside or, or a negative. Um, Frank Lampard, he's managed for about two, two and a half years as a manager. Um, there were sort of accusations that when he was at Chelsea defensively, um, he could be a bit naive at times um, uh, and maybe they were a little bit easy to score against. Set pieces might not have been great. Um, is there anything that concerns you about this Lampard appointment? Um, yeah, I, you have a little nose online and you can see his Chelsea team, obviously in that Premier League season, um, a few scenes ago, actually conceded more than the likes of Crystal Palace. But they did in fact score a lot of goals and they conceded a lot from set pieces, but what, what you got to see is now, hopefully, he's lived and learned from it. He's looked into why he was conceding a lot of set-piece goals, and he can obviously utilise that going forward. I think with Lampard, Jack, is he's never been in kind of like a relegation scrap. That's probably the only negative I'd say. If this is like new realms for him. He's coming in, he's always been at the top of his career. As a player, he's never been in this position. So he's got, like Matthew said before, a real great bunch of people coming into the football club who are going to offer their experience, their assistance. And I just think he's got the right balance. And that's probably the only negative for me, really. I just don't think he's as experienced as we might have potentially want. He's not used to being down here, like, for, for example, a big Sam appointment. who's used to playing and getting appointed to basically save teams. But in my eyes, Everton's first 11, when all fit, Jack should be nowhere near where they are. Absolutely nowhere near. They should be pushing in the top half of the table for me. We've been very unlucky of injuries, but what I will say is the tactics that Rafael Benitez tried to, to implement were very negative, very old and very ancient. And as Matthew again touched on, Frank's going to come in and bring a more modern style of football. I think he's going to come in with like a 4-3-3 formation and 
look to utilise certain players in different roles. Obviously, Donny van der Beek's very good at ball retention. It's very clear to see that. You've got Deli Ali coming in as well, who is going to hopefully bridge that gap between our midfield and attackers. You've still got Damari Gray with Charles on either side. Anthony Gordon's been arguably our best player. So there's a lot of options now, an awful lot of options. Another negative for me, Jack, is that we didn't quite sign a number six defensive midfielder or a centre-half. Now, overall, the transfer window is probably, in my eyes, eight out of ten, seven, between seven and seven and a half out of ten, I'll go for. Signed two young, promising fullbacks, which was great. Uh, and where Algarzi, you know, it's not going to set the world alight, but it's another body. We, we all know, from speaking to certain individuals on Twitter, how that deal came about. But then you look at, obviously, Don, Donny van der Beek and Deli Ali, who I think, as I stated earlier, instantly improve our midfield. Now, it's up to Frank Lampard to come in and get this all to click because it's not going to happen overnight. We've got to give him time, give him patience. And what I liked about him, Jack, as I said earlier, he, he's coming here and he knows the aim for this season now is survival. Um, he's never been in the position before and he needs to get a grip fast. He needs to try and implement his ways quick to this Everton team, try and keep everyone fit, try and keep them playing and try and get the, them embedded to get away from the Benitez era and what he wanted them to do. And... Because set-piece-wise this season, I think we've conceded the most of 14 goals or 15 goals conceded now from set-pieces in all competitions. It's ridiculous. I said to you, Jack, Lee, Matt, whenever we've been at these away games together, I've always said, look at the size of him. I think Kilman at Wolves, for example, next minute corner comes in goal. And Lampard has a renowned well, a tendency to concede a lot of his goals from set-pieces, as you discussed earlier. So that, that, that does float over my head. Hopefully with these coaches he's brought in, they're going to cut of ideas and maybe step away from the zonal mark and go man for man and pick up in a way which we can defend these corners because we are a big side. We have got big players, Yerry Mean and Michael Keane. These are all big guys. Deli Ali's well over six foot as well and very useful in the air. So hopefully we can utilise this, this height that we've got as well to obviously improve them stats and get us going forward because Lampard's got one hell of a job on his hands because we definitely are in a relegation fight, Jack. But for me, the squad he's inherited should be nowhere near where they are now. So a bit of positive. I think he's going to come in and, fingers crossed, change the way we play, change the way we're defending certain things. And I just hope he gets it right. Lee, I want to come back to the transfer window in a, in a couple of minutes. Just got one more question um, on the coaching staff. Um, there seemed to be a bit of uncertainty about Duncan Ferguson's future. It, it's now obviously been announced that he will stay at the club. Um, and, and I know what you think of Dun Duncan Ferguson. Um, mm. is, it, is it a missed opportunity for him personally to go away, go to another club, maybe get a managerial position in a lower league or even in Scotland and to then maybe return to Everton in the future? Or do you think it's for the best the best for Everton and the best for him that he stays at the club? Um, I think one thing that we forget in all this, Jack, and, and it's, it's a very valid point and valid questions, but what does Duncan Ferguson want in all of this? So I think sometimes it's quick to make assumptions that you know he, he wants to go away and he's desperate for this managerial job. You know, He's decided, certainly for the time being anyway, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen in the long term, but he's decided to stay at Everton and work under his, I think it's his seventh manager now. So, yeah, from the outside looking in, I can, I can see why people would look at it and say, he's 50 years of age, he's not 35, 38, 39, no, this young manager, um, he's, he's 50. You know, he's spent 10 years now at Everton, sort of in the background, playing second fiddle to various different people um, during a very turbulent and unsuccessful time for the club in the main as well. So, yes, it would be lovely to see him go out and maybe take a job like Sunderland and do really, really well. Because I'm confident that he would, by the way, because I think he's got quite a bit about him. He's certainly got you know, the character and he'd certainly command respect in any dressing room that he, that he walked into. Um, but it looks like he's decided that he wants to stay at Everton. So, what, why is that? And, and, you know, you think, is it because he doesn't want to ruin his reputation and what he's got going on at the football club? Obviously, he's a he's an absolute legend and a, a cult hero for so many, including myself. I absolutely love him. Um, so, obviously, if Duncan, if you are listening, go and do what you want because nobody will judge you for leaving Everton Football Club. And I think I speak on behalf of every Everton fan. 
you know, if he went, we'd all wish him the absolute best. And whoever he went and managed would instantly become our second team, unless he went and managed Liverpool, which he wouldn't do. Um, but he, Frank Lampard's made the decision. He, he's picked up the phone. He said to Duncan Ferguson, listen, I want you to be part of things. I think you've got a, a role to play. You know, nobody knows the club or knows what the, the fans expect and will be able to relay that better than Duncan Ferguson will. So maybe Lampard's looking at it as, you know, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that element of, you know, the history of the club and what Duncan can bring there. And if, and if Ferguson's happy to do that and he doesn't feel awkward and he doesn't think actually, because yes, it would be, wouldn't it? If you put, him, put yourself in his shoes, he's just gone for the job that Lampard's just got. He's been, he's been overlooked. So it would be an awkward predicament to be in. But if, if, if Ferguson can look, can look behind, uh, past that, sorry, you know, there's a role for him and, you know, there might be brighter times around the corner and maybe Duncan's looking at it and going, I've, I've had to put up with that much rubbish. You know, if, if, if rumours are to be, be believed, he didn't get on with Rafael Benitez at all well, along with many others. He's now thinking, I like the sound of this. I like the people that we're bringing in. I can actually see a positive few months, years ahead for Everton under Frank Lampard and, and, and his coaching staff. And I want to be a part of that. So, listen, I've said it on Twitter this week. Whatever Duncan Ferguson wants to do is absolutely fine by me. Um, he'll make a decision that's best for him, best for his family, and we'll all just get behind that, I suppose. But I'm, I'm personally, I'm absolutely delighted that he's decided to stay. Matt, moving on to the transfer window, um, I know we've spoken about Patterson and Mikolenko, who obviously arrived early on in January. Um, and at the end of yesterday, 11 o'clock, uh, Deli Ali on a permanent, Donny Van Der Beek on loan. I think uh, you, you know, you, you in particular, Matt, have been crying out for some bodies in midfield. Um, you know, my my opinion, with all due respect, some of the midfielders at that club at the moment are, are not are not good enough for Everton. Um, Delph, you can't rely on him in terms of the number of games he plays. Uh, Gabamin horrific injuries will we ever see sort of the best of Gabamin probably not in my opinion Andre Gomez I think there's a player there but flatters to deceive and Tom Davis um, you know there's always sort of that question about will he ever be good enough really at this level to play for Everton um, so how happy are you with the transfer business in terms of those two midfielders that have been brought in um, well if we're going to speak about those two um, together and without the others, then yeah, I think those two are good signings. Um, you know, there they came a point. Well, there was a point. If we if we look back to the start of January, what do, out of what we need through midfield, it was we needed more goals, we needed creativity, and we needed that pivot player that was going to stop everyone marauding through the midfield and giving it give it a little bit more structure. So. That became even more apparent after uh, Dakura got injured against Aston Villa. And obviously Tom Davies is now out for some time along with Fabian Delve. So you've basically been left with a situation where there's Alan, uh, Gomez and Gabamin. And like you alluded to, Jack, I, I generally can't think of a club that's recruited as bad as we have in one position for so many years. Um, you know, the amount of money we've spent on central midfielders, it, it's not like the full-back area that we completely neglected. We seem to sign a midfield every single window um, and they're still not good enough. So, you know, definitely needed bodies in there. Um, you know, I, I felt Van der Beek was certainly an option when Benitez left. Um, and he's coming. Um, obviously, we've managed to to nab him off the the coattails of, of Crystal Palace, and that one makes sense to me because I think definitely with the way that Frank plays, we're going to need someone that keeps the ball. Uh, we're going to need someone that's much more technically gifted than the players that we've got. Um, and I think he gives you that. He's got his fantastic ball retention uh, stats. I think that's probably the main part of his game. Um, I've seen there are compa obviously comparisons, obviously to, to Davy Classen. I think if you speak to Ajax fans and Ajax sort of writers and pundits, etc., Van der Beek's a, a much better player than, than Davy Classen was uh, or is. Um, 
so yeah, that one makes sense, sense to me because he can also add goals um, if played further forward. But this, you know, this that's obviously a million million dollar question now. Where where does Frank see him? Um, for me, you've got to, for Van der Beek to work, you've got to surround him with with two midfielders. It's not someone he's not someone that can sort of rely on one next to him. He can't be in a two man pivot. It's got to be a three. Um, so yeah, that one made a lot of sense. And obviously the, the wild card one now, yeah, I've been screaming out for a, a defensive midfield player or window. And I, my, my main gripe, yeah, is that that that's been a position that I've wanted filled for uh, about 18 months now, even when Ancelotti was in charge, it was one, it was one that I just felt we were crying out for. Um, and obviously another window passes and uh, we, we neglected it again, but, Deli Ali coming in. I think this one, this one was a was a was a shock in a way because I think I certainly thought it was going to be Van der Beek or Ali. I didn't think they'd bring bring both in. And obviously with the fact that Everton have utilised their two domestic loans, Deli Ali coming in, it's an interesting one because I think if them, if any other manager, he wouldn't wouldn't have come to Everton. Um, but if we're you know, we're led to believe that Frank Lampard really, really pushed for this player late on. Um, and if you go back in time through Frank's work on television, etc., he raves about Deli Alley. He, he thought he was a special, special player. Um, you know, I think he probably sees a lot of similarities with himself in terms of late runs into the box, scoring a huge amount of goals for, for a midfield player. Um, and obviously, when 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 this all broke, I think I was slightly concerned that we were going to have a you know Daniel Levy was going to you know rip us off, and we were going to be paying big money for a player that's been out of form for about two years now, and obviously had certain concerns over his attitude. But it looks like we've got a quite a a good deal there. So fair play to to Everton there. I think you know obviously being an initial free transfer with. With Everton paying ten million pounds after he's played twenty games, and a two and a half year deal means Deli Ali's got to prove himself, and he's got to play well for for Everton to ever have to pay any of any of the money owed. So this one makes sense again because I think we do need goals from midfield. And what when when I spoke about the extra midfield player that Frank utilises in Mason Mount, Mason Mount is an amazing presser off the ball. And if you look at Deli Ali's stats under Pochettino, he was an amazing presser off the ball as well. He really loves to press from the front and give energy to in the midfield. So that kind of excites me because I think we really, we, we really, really lack that player. We don't have another profile like that at all in the squad. So I think this one could go either way. I think this one could turn out to be an absolutely fantastic signing um, where Frank. Managed, manages to mould him into what he was before, um, you know, and really get his mojo back up. Or it, we could obviously be wasting a lot of lot of wages on another squad player. So the two signings, the two midfield, midfield signings, are good. Uh, I really worry. I, I still really worry about the the, the defensive prowess of the midfield and the lack of ball winner. But it's the hand that we've been dealt with, and we've definitely. We've definitely strengthened the midfield, put it that way, even if we still are lacking the profile that I probably would have gone for. Ben, I want to, I want to come to you and, and just talk about Deli Alley in a bit more detail. Um, I, I think it would be fair, fair to say that, you know, Deli Alley is maybe the exciting signing. And that's, that's nothing, you know, I'm not doing Donny van der Beek a disservice there. I just think, we all know as football fans what play, what type of player Deli Ali was and hopefully the form that he can recapture. Now, Deli Ali, I think, is 25 at the minute. Um, three, four years ago, he was potentially the hottest young property English-wise in the Premier League. Since then, um, and I know Matt's just mentioned him, Mason Mount, you've got Jack Grealish, you've got Phil Foden, you've got James Madison they've probably all, all have jumped ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, my concern with Deli Ali is 
can he play in a 4-3-3? That seems to be the formation that Lampard likes to go with. But is Deli Ali better in behind that striker in almost the number 10 role? And what do you think Deli Ali's going to bring to Everton? Um, well, you mentioned Deli Ali there. Obviously, I think it's, again, like you said, a brilliant, brilliant signing. And to be fair to whoever's done the negotiation deserves a massive pass on the back. I'm not going to give credit to certain people, but whoever's made that, that deal happen has done really, really well. We've all seen how it's going to avoid this year's financial fair play, profit loss, sustainability, because there's only 18 games left. So on that one, fair play to whoever's got that over the line. On to Deli Alley himself, Jack. 18 months ago, you're looking at Deli Alley as a 60 to 80 million pound footballer, one of the best young prospects of us watching football, of the younger generation coming through. He was phenomenal at Spurs under, under Pochettino, probably their talisman along with Harry Kane. The link-up they had was brilliant. Now, as you quite rightly said, then he probably suits more of a 4-2-3-1, shall we say, just sitting behind the likes of Harry Kane or, in our case, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But there's no there's no reason why he couldn't fit in a three-man midfield because, like Matthew says before, he does press. He presses hard and he presses high and he does have a lot of work. I just think the past couple of years, he's kind of gone off the radar a bit, lost a bit of that fire. Um, obviously, had Jose Mourinho come in again, kind of a bit of a, a dinosaur manager that really wants to go into his tactics. Maybe not. All it takes is for a young, passionate manager to get Dali, Deli Ali under his wing and make him the star man of this football team. And Frank Lampard has spoke so highly of Deli Ali for years. There's, there's numerous interviews on the Sunday supplement when that used to go around saying he, he's a brilliant footballer. I love his late runs into the box. I love that he's got two feet. I love that he can head the ball. So he's definitely a player. Lampard thinks, feels like he can get under his wing and get the best out of them for Everton. And if we can capture even 60, 70% of that form he showed a few seasons ago, we've got one hell of a sign. And I'm so excited for him to be involved because he played against Tot- for Tottenham a few weeks back against Liverpool. And I watched that match, like the two-all draw. And I said to a few of my friends, oh, Deli Ali looked handy there. He got on the ball, he was making runs, he was taking people on, he looked dynamic and he was making stuff happen. He should have scored one or two goals in that game as well. He missed a few sitters and that's probably just due to lack of confidence. But I was saying at the end of December, he'd be an all right snippet, you know, forever to get him under our wing. And the more you think about it now, Frank Lampard's in the hot seat. I just feel like it's going to work. Another decision that will work. I might come back to weekly words. People might be tweeting this and saying, oh, Ben, you said it's going to work. Look, it's my personal opinion. I really think it's a, a shrewd bit of business. I think the payment structure they got in place is a really, really positive negotiations with, let's get it right here, Daniel Levy is one of the, the hardest nuts to crack in football business. And the thing it was, Bill Kenwright, he's gone there and got a really good deal. So hats off to him. He's done really, really well in that respect. So let, let's see how we get on, Jack. It's going to be I just hope he just fits in, settles down. If you watch his interview this morning or last night on Sky, he just said that he wants to be happy playing football again. And I feel like the fans are gonna gonna love him. I feel like we can get behind him. Every he always seems to come to Goodison and score. I think we've seen him three or four times over the past few seasons come to Goodison and actually score against Everton. So it'll be nice to see him hopefully bag a few in the, the Royal Blue of Everton Football Club and really kick on and get us out of this mess. He could be the hero that we all need this season. And as I said before, the link up between our attack and defence. Imagine a diamond four front of Deli Ali with Charles and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Damari Gray on the right. It's going to send shivers into defenders. It's, it's a brilliant front four. It really, really is. And we just need the likes of Donny van der Beek to get hold of the ball and Alan to sit and be completely strict on his position on the football um, and his position on the pitch. But no, overall, Jack, as you can tell, I'm made up with it. Really, really happy. Really looking forward to seeing him play. Hopefully he stays fit and catches a bit of form and we'll all get behind him 110%. I completely agree, Ben. I, I, you know, I don't want to go too early with this, but I, I really do think it will work. And I think Everton, you know, have really got the right manager to get the best out of Delhi Alley. And I think we can see real similarities between both of their games in terms of those late runs into the boxes and, and goal-scoring midfielders. Lee, um, if I just come to you, uh, just on uh, Delhi Alley again, um, if you can give me your thoughts. But then if I just I want to add another question in, um, mm-hmm. on sort of the flip side with the transfer window, um, how worried, concerned, frustrated are you at the lack of outgoings at the club? 
Um, okay, uh, come on to Deli Alley first. You know, I've been as soon as I heard we were linked with him, I was like, yeah, you know, if there's a chance that we can get this deal done, I'd be all over it, absolutely all over it. We've been how many times over the last year have we called? We've we've used this word hungry, like it, it was going out of fashion. Individuals, whether that be a manager, we've now got a hungry manager. We want players who want to play for Everton for the right reasons. Now, Deli Ali will have been on a great salary at Tottenham. Very, very comfortable. Loved down there. Didn't have to move, you know, but he, he's chosen to up sticks, leave London and come to Everton. And, and when we're down in 16th place, arguably in a, in a relegation battle, he has got loads to prove. You know, there's people writing him off left, right and centre. You know, the fact is, for me, the way I see it, you know, two managers just haven't fancied them, really. You know, and and really, if, you, if you're working for someone who you can see clearly hasn't got confidence in you, doesn't trust you to do a job, then you're not going to perform at your best. You want, you want, you need freedom. You know, you need someone telling you that you, you know, th- these players sometimes that that's the way the game's gone now. They need to be loved. They need to be told you're the man. You know, you you can do this. You know, you've got quality. I trust you. Go go out there and express yourself. And like Ben's just said there, I've got full confidence that Frank Lampard is the... It's such a good fit, the pair of them. They suit each other. Um, so I, I've just got this feeling that it's going to be one of those signings, like an Arteta signing, a PR signing in January, which just revolutionises this side. It's another word we've used very often on this podcast is stale. Now, I think this squad was crying out for an addition like him, like Donny van der Beek as well, another really, really exciting addition just to freshen things up. You know, on the training ground, you've got Deli Ali there, Donny van der Beek, you know, with, with this ability, you know, probably banging worldies in, you know, in, into the top corner from everywhere and, you know, really, really impressing the players around them. And hopefully that's going to have an impact on the others and make them give that extra 10% and step their game up and show that extra bit of quality. Uh, because if they don't, they won't have a future at the football club. So I just think, again, with the fee um, being structured the way it is, Everton have got an absolutely blinding deal getting Deli Ali on board. I can't, I can't, I'm so, so gutted that he's cup tied for Saturday. I think that's a stupid rule, especially this early in the competition. Um, you know, it would have been amazing, wouldn't it, to, to have watched him and Van der Beek and others, you know, on, on Saturday, but it's not to be. So, all for that one. Absolutely delighted. Um, in terms of outgoings, it, it's difficult, Jack, because these players, you know, they've, they've been given more chances than Boris Johnson over the last four years, some of them, five years longer, and they've let us down. And they're on, again, handsome salaries. So, it's, it's, a, it's a easier said than done to get these off the list because you, you, you take Gabamon as an example, someone who's been widely... Um, touted as being up for sale. You know, you look at him, he's got a horrendous injury record. There's no real sign that's going to get any better. Um, he's on a lot of money. So what side, really, unless Everton agrees to say, well, listen, take him on loan and we'll pay all his wages, that, that defeats the object. Who's going to take him? It's very difficult. Um, other players that you'd like to see out the door, Mason Holgate, perhaps. You know, does that leave us short? At centre back, and again, who's going to look at his recent performances and say, "Yeah, we'll give, we'll, we'll have a punt on him and pay 10, 15 million quid, whatever Everton command for him." It's a difficult one. The only positive on the horizon is that we have got some of these, you know, the dead wood coming to the end of the contracts in June, and um, so that this squad will look a bit lighter and a bit healthier come then. Um, but for me, I'm going to focus on the positives. You said, Jack, at the start, didn't you? We're going to keep this a positive podcast, so I'm going to I'm going to do just that. Um, and I am also really hopeful that Lampard will avoid the, the, the mistakes that Benitez and others have made in um, starting players that don't warrant the starting place in this side, who who let us down habitually, but but still find themselves in the in the starting eleven. Um, in, in the next game I think that's really really frustrating that's not how football should be if you're not performing to the level you should be dropped and another player should be given a chance regardless of age so I'm, I'm looking forward to that happening under Lampard as well and I think if that does happen we'll see less mistakes um, in, in with certain areas certainly at centre-back at right-back I think changes need to be made urgently straight away there's no excuse not to um, but I'm, I'm not too 
I'm not too surprised at the lack of outgoings. I'm also not too concerned about the lack of outgoings because I think that will be addressed in the summer. And I think you're in a better position in the summer to have to have a clear out. Clubs are in a better position to buy um, and you've got more of a chance of shifting some of this dead wood. So overall, a great window for Evan. Matt, I just want to turn um, attention now and focus on the game against Brentford on Saturday. Feels like it's been ages since Everton had a football match. Um, thank God it returns on Saturday. Um, looking at the midfield situation, uh, Van der Beek, Deli Alley are both cup-tied. Abdelai Dekore is injured. Fabian Dalf's injured. Tom Davis is injured. So limited options in midfield. Three days later, massive game at Newcastle, St. James's Park. Matt, which is the bigger game? Which one would you prefer to win? 100% Newcastle away. And that's the position we're in, unfortunately. Um, the, the FA Cup for me is a, a free hit this season. Um, league The league position is so precarious now that league points are, are more vital than, than FA Cup games. That's not to, to say that, obviously, I don't want to win on Saturday. You know, I think keeping the positive momentum going is, is also important. But if you offered me three points against Newcastle and a 1-0 or a defeat against Brentford, then unfortunately, I'm taking Newcastle every day of the week because, you know, I'd rather be in the FA Cup next season in the Premier League rather than starting in the second, you know, the second round or whatever it is. So... Yeah, listen, it's one of those games really that you want it's the midfield options are gonna be an issue. Um obviously if he's gonna play three in midfield, then I'm guessing he's gonna to have to utilise potentially uh Anthony Gordon or Andros Taz in to sort of play third midfield role. But I'm just con- my concern is keeping Alan fit because Alan has to stay fit now for me until one of Davies or Decore comes back because he's the only one that, that sits or has any capability of playing sort of that defensive midfield role. Um, and he's not the youngest and he hasn't got the, the best injury record. So definitely, listen, he's got to play. Unfortunately, he has to play. Um, but he's certainly one that I'd be keeping an eye on if I'm Frank Lampard and just keeping an eye out for him. You know, if he's got any... T- any concerns on that pitch on Saturday, I'd be getting them off very, very quickly. Because um, I just think with he has to be the one that that's kept fit somehow now. You know, unless Frank turns Andre Gomez into this world world class defensive midfielder, then uh, you know, let's let's face it, Alan's the only one that can do that. So it will be interesting to see how he goes on on Saturday. I assume he, he will line up in a similar formation to what he will on Tuesday. You know, he want the he'll want the players to to get familiar with 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 his systems and his styles. In in a way, I actually think it's probably quite a good thing that we've got a cup tie on Saturday because I think it's obviously it's a home tie, which which means Frank Lampard can be you know unveiled to the crowd. You know, um, as you say, you know, it does feel like an eternity since since the last time we, we played. And it'll be good for Frank to see, you know, three or four of the players and how they adapted it to his system. I'm sure he's got question marks over a few of the players in his squad that he wants to get, you know, he wants to really sort of get the answers to. Um, and I also think it's, it could be a good run out for, for players that, you know, for the likes of the two full-backs that have come in in January, where I think, you know, the, the pair of them is going to take them time to settle in. Maybe the cup tie on Saturday is, is a good one to try and get some minutes under their belt and, and some confidence, I don't know. Um, but I think he'll definitely, obviously, he'll, he'll treat it like a must-win game, but it's it's it, it, nothing matters more than, than Tuesday for me. That, that's a, a must-not-lose, must-not-lose game, so... Yeah, the, the cup's important. We don't want to lose it. I think everyone's got positive momentum now. And if we can sneak through and everyone's injury-free, then that's the, you know, that's the best outcome going into to Tuesday. 
Ben, just coming to you, um, same question. Uh, which do you think is the biggest game, uh, Brentford or away at Newcastle on Tuesday? And how do you think Frank Lampard will set the team up defensively on Saturday? For me, agree with Matt. I think if we win Saturday and lose at Newcastle, we're bang in the mix of it. Um, I still think we should, should and probably will win both. Again, positive podcast, a bit of optimism from myself. It's get, Look, Tuesday's enormous. We cannot allow teams below us to be picking three points up against us. We just cannot. But my heart also says I really want a cup run. I really want to push on and try and get a trophy under our belt. So it's, it's a difficult one, Jack. It's a bit of a catch-22. I'd love a cup and I'd love to stay in the Premier League. But if you're going to choose over which, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely don't want to stay in the Premier League. Obviously, in regards to financial situations, if we go down, we're in a real, real mess. Defensively, I'd like to just play our best team um, against Newcastle especially. But And I think that the way they've been set up in them training videos, we're looking to potentially play four at the back. Um, I think on Saturday, it's a definitely a, a really good opportunity for the likes of Nathan Patterson, um, Mikalenko as well, to, to get it 90 minutes under their belts. And also for, for the likes of Bramfway to come in, again, performed extremely well against Chelsea the last time we've seen him. And I just think it's just like a free hit. Go and enjoy yourselves. Go and play football. Go and play this attacking football that Lampard wants to bring in. Set the formation out early. And as Matthew quite rightly said before, judging again off the training videos, it looks that they're trying to utilise Alan or Andre Gomez as a deep-line midfielder, as the sip, shall we say. I agree with Lee also that this this whole cup tide issue is a load of... Well, I don't want to swear on the podcast, but it's not very good, shall we say. It, it needs to be scrapped that rule because we've got two players who could help improve our chances of winning, the, of winning the FA Cup and they cannot play. They're simply just not allowed to play because they probably... I think they played, was it 15 minutes each or something ridiculous against Manchester United? The pair of them came on in the, the 70th minute, I think it was. And now, because they've played a few minutes for the, the, the former football club that they can't play, it's just one of them, really. So I think that's what I'd like to see, Jack. I see Mikalenko at left-back. Um, I'd also like to see Bramfrey play centre-half and Nathan Patterson play right-back. Who partners Bramfrey to the back? I'm not sure. Maybe Ben Godfrey, maybe Michael Keane, given some confidence. But look, we need to save our big guns for Tuesday. Obviously, Yeri Mina is one of them big guns. We, we know he's made, made a glass every now and again and usually plays two games when he's gone away with Columbia. But fortunately for, for us, he got booked in the... We got, uh, a booking, didn't he? So we couldn't play in the second game, the second World Cup qualifier. So came home early, not returned to training quite yet. And if rumours are to believe, Jack, um, Dominic Carvalho may have suffered a, a slight knock on his knee. That's why he wasn't in the training videos today. So if he's a doubt, who knows? He could be out Saturday. But we just need the big guns back for Tuesday for me. Um, well, obviously, we're going again to Newcastle away. It'd be great to get three points there. Just gives us a bit of breathing space. But look, for Saturday, we can win it. We can win it. We went to Brentford, those guys, and they didn't create much Brentford. They were, it was kind of like a 50-50 game, I thought. Obviously, they got a penalty and went on to win it. But there was chances there for us. We had, obviously, Rondon got pulled down in the box. A Wobie should have scored. Another should have scored. We had chances to go and put them under the sword. And they're right in the mix of it as well. So I don't know what, what type of fit, um, team they're going to put out, Brentford. But both games are massive. But to answer you to your question, Jack, I'd won three points, definitely against Newcastle on Tuesday. Lee, I know, I know your thoughts on the FA Cup and, and how sort of passionate you are about Everton winning a trophy. Do you agree with the other two guys that Newcastle is, is the bigger game? And, and do you think the game on Saturday is an opportunity for Frank to sort of try out a couple of players that maybe haven't been having much of a look under the previous regime or does he need to play strongest 11 available? I don't think he needs to play strongest 11 available purely because I don't think Brentford will go full strength. I'd be very, very surprised if they do anyway. Um, and I think regardless, I think we'll have enough on Saturday. I just think the whole feel-good factor and Lampard on the touchline, the crowd, everything will really, really lift them. I know we said that against Villa, but... I think there were still some issues there. You know, there was still a bit of a hangover from the whole Benitez thing, whereas everyone's really united and positive now. So I can see us getting a result on Saturday anyway. Of course, I'd absolutely, I, I would, I don't, I'd do anything to get to Wembley and see Everton lift the FA Cup, literally anything. Um, but 
I'm so so frustrated with this cup tied rule, and it and unfortunately, if you're realistic about it, it's a hard enough competition to win at the at the at the best of times because teams more and more now are under pressure to win something. These teams at the top who are spending these vast sums, managers are under pressure to win something. So you're often seeing the same sides when it gets to the semi-final stages because people take it seriously when it gets to sort of the quarters and beyond. So without Deli Ali and Van der Beek, it would be very very difficult. It would take a massive upturn in form, a lot of luck, luck with the draw, luck with individual games for us to, to win the FA Cup in reality. So as much as I love it and as much as I hope that somehow we get through Saturday, go on a run, build momentum, win the thing, course would, Tuesday's the bigger game. There's no there's no, no question about that whatsoever. Um, we have to beat Newcastle. You know, I don't care what anyone says. I think Newcastle's transfer window does nothing for me. I think they've recruited really, really poorly in the main. I think this Brazilian fella could be half decent, but he's got to settle in. The rest of them, I think, I think it's over overinflated prices for some pretty average players there. So we have to be going to Newcastle full strength, and our full strength side is a lot better than Newcastle, a lot better. So Lampard's going to be telling them that. And saying, listen, I fully expect us to be going here, getting the three points, apply yourself properly. Um, in terms of the defence uh, and players who are getting opportunities, Jack, like you said, um, I'm all I'm all in agreement with what Ben's just said and the players he's just identified. I think now is the time. Branthwaite needs a chance. Um, you know, we've seen Michael Keane make too many mistakes, far, far too many mistakes, not just this season, before as well. Um, I just don't think he's at the level required. Um, he, he's he's okay in certain type of games, like we've identified with this this low block. But over the course of a season against different types of opposition, different types of threat, he, he's a liability and he's too prone to mistakes and mental lapses. So I'd, I'd take him out at least for the time being. Branthwaite, like I said before, if someone's playing badly, they come out. Another another player gets a chance. Surely, I think Nathan, Nathan Patterson's the best best right back on our books. So automatically he has to play. I don't care that it's just Brentford in the FA Cup. You know, I think you play your strongest side where possible. He's young, he's got legs. You know, we'll be able to play two games in in three days, no bother. So it'd be a great opportunity to give him his debut at home in front of the fans in a in a cup game. Ideal. Get him in. Um and then beyond that, I think we've got enough options to sort of not have to rely on any more of the young players. Um, midfield might be an issue, but we've got Anthony Gordon there. We've got Andres Townsend there as options. Um, I'm not sure whether El Ghazi can play. I think he's cup tied as well, which is which is crazy. Um, but we should have enough to beat Brentford. Um, but like I say, I think Patterson and Branthwaite in particular, as part of that back four, who have been really, really struggling, deserve the chance. And I'd be very surprised, to be honest, if both of them didn't start on Saturday. And Michael Enko as well. Um, I think you know we saw him a hole. He, he struggled a little bit. Um, didn't do anything wrong, I'd say, but you know just probably looked a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit phased um, by the events that had gone on in the, in the two weeks previous. Another good opportunity to get him in, get another ninety minutes under his belt, build his confidence, um, and, and a good chance for the fans to see a little bit more of him as well. So, either way, Jack, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. I'm looking forward to it, regardless of the starting lineup. Uh, well, apart from a couple of notable exceptions, which people probably know about by now, um, I'll be happy with anything. Uh, just looking forward to getting in the ground, better atmosphere, feeling like we've got the club back. Um, yeah, counting down the days already. So, Matt, if I come to you and we'll finish the pod with our customary predictions, what are your predictions for Saturday? I think it'll be a, a tight game. Um Still unsure of whether Everton can keep a, a clean sheet, but I'm going to go for a, a 2-1 Everton win. Same question to you, Ben. I'm going to keep this positive and upbeat. I'm going to go for a nice tune 11 win. Um, Damari Gray with the first. And um, we'll kick on. Solid performance and really kick on for Tuesday. And Lee, predictions, please. Um, yeah, I just, I think... There's going to be a real feel-good factor. Uh, and I think if we get the first goal, I think we could go on and win it quite comfortably. So I'm going to go for 3-0. Yeah, and I'm going to go for a full house. I'm going to go for 2 now. I think we'll somehow, finally, 
get a clean sheet. So that's all for today's podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will be back with one and another podcast after the Brentford game for post-match analysis. Um, So take care and all the very best. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.